Welcome again to Variologies. This is our third episode. My name is Dan Calcano. And I'm Noah. And last time we talked about the doctrine of the Trinity, and today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that. Um, hopefully uh, I'm going to be able to express uh, my view of the subject, which is uh, called Biblical Unitarianism. And uh, what did you think? How did you think the uh, discussion went last time? I think it went good. I think you asked some good questions. Hopefully, I gave some good answers, and I think it was a good good talk. So uh, you know, you're a good Orthodox boy, right? Yeah, you're, you're, there you go. you're a good representation <laughs> of Orthodoxy. That's good. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm the heretic of the family. I'm the black sheep. So I'm okay. <laughs> and I don't think we've ever actually explicitly said that that I'm your uncle and you're my nephew, right? Yeah, you're my brother's you uh, son, and uh, and it's. Cool that we get to do this podcast, yeah, sure. that we share these uh, interests. So, yep. let's just get into it, right? Let, let's talk about um, the, the the doctrine of God, of mm-hmm. the nature of God in terms of personhood, and uh, really it comes down to this issue of um, is Jesus God, or yeah. or is there only one person who is God? So let's uh, let's dig into it. Sure. I guess we can probably start with just you explaining what your view is. Um, yeah. Obviously, for me, I didn't have to do too much of that because a lot of people probably right. default to that view, but your view is a bit different, so maybe if you can give an explanation. For sure, and I, and I did touch on it last yeah. episode, but it, it comes down to this. It's it's sort of from, from and, and I, I recognize, and I think you recognize as well, that we're just coming to the scripture with something in mind. We're, 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 there has to be some kind of model of God that you have in mind that, that you then can read the scripture and see if that makes sense. And that's that's not, uh, you know, that, that's something that I think everybody has to do. So um, I, what I had to do, because I grew up obviously, uh, maybe not obviously for people who don't know me, uh, I grew up as a Trinitarian. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so I was taught the doctrine of the Trinity more mm-hmm. or less, uh, either directly or, or just by osmosis, by, you know, absorbing it over time. And then especially when I got interested in Christianity, I was a full-fledged Trinitarian. I believed in it, or at least uh, confessed it, whether or not I understood it. I probably understand it better now than I ever did before. (laughs) Um, So so I, I do recognize and understand the doctrine of the Trinity, that it's one God in three persons, or three persons in one essence of God. And... And, and 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 so when I discovered biblical Unitarianism, and I did that through the person of of Anthony Buzzard and Sean Finnegan and the, and people out on the internet, and I've had the privilege of meeting them and getting to know them in person, which is which is great. And there's lots of other great biblical Unitarian teachers out there, but they they presented the case, and I've come to agree with it and and, and affirm it and and understand it is that. The, the the person of the Trinity, so to speak, that we refer to as the Father, mm. is in fact the only one who is God. That there is only one person who is God, that Jesus is not in any way literally God. He is a human being. Like, we affirm the virgin birth of Jesus, right? That's right, obviously. Yeah. Orthodox position. Yeah. Uh, look at that. It's an Orthodox position, position that <laughs> I affirm. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, it's taught in, in Matthew, and it's and it's certainly taught in Luke. Like Luke, you know, very explicitly teaches it, uh, I think. Um, and what that is, is the power of God. It's, you know, that, that verse in Luke one thirty five, which says, um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Gabriel's talking to Mary. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Well, that to me, like, what is that? You know, for a Trinitarian, you might say, well, that's the second person of the Trinity, you know, coming down into into Mary and then 
suddenly this new being has two natures or something like that, right? No, what that event is, is God, who is the only person who is God, is, is the person we call the Father, creating a new human, human being, just like he created Adam. Like, Adam was created. We, we, rec- we both mm-hmm. affirm that. And we're not even talking about like the, the historical nature. The story of Genesis yeah. is that God created Adam, right? Mm-hmm. Well, according to the Gospels, God created Jesus in Mary. He didn't like he created Adam from the dust of the earth, but he created Jesus in the womb of Mary. He, he made a new creation, basically. Yeah. But what that means is, is that Jesus is a human being. Now, that's a unique origin. No, right. no one else has been uh, conceived that way, so it's a unique mm-hmm. thing, but it's not... He, what, what, what God created wasn't something different than, than other... Like, it's, a, it's real... It's, Jesus was a real human being, put it, to put it that way. So here's the thing. God is only one individual person. And Jesus is not God because God is the one who created Jesus. It, it wouldn't be fair to say that Jesus is also God because God is, is a person who is separate from Jesus. Mm-hmm. What, so what do you think is the best way for me to go about perhaps uh, laying out the biblical case? Do you want me to share, share with you some scriptures like you did last time or... Or do you want me to just sort of continue to maybe explain where the Bible establishes this doctrine? I think it would be helpful to go into some scriptures and then continue with the explanation. Okay. The first place I would go in scripture to establish that God is only one person is actually Genesis chapter 1. From Genesis chapter 1, all throughout the entire rest of the Bible, we have this idea, uh, we have the evidence of singular pronouns. <laughs> you know, God, what is God's pronoun? <laughs> right? Like yeah. we we fi- we find that out there in, out in social media like you have to, you know, put your pronouns right in your Twitter profile, uh, right? Uh, <laughs> <So> well, <brutal. laughs> well, 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 here's the thing. What would God put as his pronouns? It would be he him, right? Mm-hmm. Or or if it's uh first person it would be I. Yeah. Like he he never I shouldn't say never because there are a few times and we can get into this. He almost always refers to himself as I. And if it's somebody else referring to him, it's he or him, right? Does that matter? Like, like is that, isn't that a substantial argument or does that not do anything for you? Because <laughs> it does a lot for me, right? Like, yeah. it, it really estab- and like establishes for me and convinces me, actually, that if over and over again God is referred to as a single person... And I think that means God is a single person. Like, what is your reaction to to that pronoun argument? Well, like you said, there are a few cases where that's not the case, mm-hmm. where like where it says, "Let us create them right. in our own image." Right. And again, like we kind of touched on last week, how people writing the Bible weren't necessarily, were probably weren't Trinitarians, and it would be historically inaccurate to say they were. But that's the sort of thing mm. you can look back through the. Revelation of the New Testament and kind okay. of see there. And I don't know, maybe maybe don't particularly like no, that argument. No, but. I mean, the, the funny thing is, in my own thinking, I'm actually very much there, where I do think we need to uh, take the revelation of Jesus and and understand the rest yeah. of the Bible in that way. So that's fair an argument, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so fair enough. So but what if Jesus himself and the apostles themselves, were they wrong? Like, like if mm-hmm. they referred to God as, single, as a single person, then isn't that... Yeah. Enough to 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 sort of make the case, or at least f- 
have a foundation for the case. Well, I think even if you believe God is three persons, you when addressing God generally, mm. you and referring to God as an essence, you probably would just use a singular pronoun for that. The, and this, like, I, I don't say, God, your wills be done. I say, God, your will be done. Okay, well, this is an interesting, I think, a valid thing to bring up, which is... Certainly, yeah. why Why don't... Why, like, I mean, if you believe God is three persons... Why wouldn't you refer to the refer to mm. all three of them? Like I, I get it. If you're referring to a specific person, then yeah, you would use a single singular pronoun. Yeah. Like uh, if you're praying to God, if you say Father, like you're addressing God yeah, the Father, right. you would use a singular pronoun. Or if you're addressing Jesus or the Holy Spirit, you would use a singular pronoun. But if you're saying God, like just you know, in a general sense, God's will for my life, right? Uh, His will for my life. Okay. Who, just the Father? Or do you also mean the Son and the Spirit when you say God's will for your life as a Trinitarian, right? Yeah. Yeah, well... Okay, well then why wouldn't you say their will for my life? Like, meaning plural. I think it probably comes down to the, the fact that Christianity is a monotheistic religion. And even though we believe in three persons, one God, and I don't know, maybe you don't think that's monotheism anymore. But like from, like from my view, that it, it's still monotheistic. Okay. So I think by using they and them and like saying yeah. gods, you're, like that's that lends itself away <laughs> from the right from the monotheistic yeah. language and the monotheistic revelation of the Bible. I think. So I want to say two things to that. For, first of all, yeah, I consider Trinitarians full Christians. I don't. I don't. Right. I don't believe that anyone is trying to be polytheistic. And and even though it, it could it could be argued that maybe the Trinity is polytheism, um, uh, nobody intends that, and that has to count for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so intention matters, I think. And no real Christian is trying to believe in more than one God. In fact, everybody's just I think trying to wrestle with the Bible and just yeah. how, how Jesus can be God and also the Father is God. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the issue. Um, but to to refer to God as they and them. To your point, I think is because that sounds polytheistic, right? And that's mm. why you wouldn't do that. Yeah. But that's kind of the point. Monotheism refers to a single person. They and them, and and plural pronouns to me is the proper uh, representation on a pronoun level of the Trinity. So to me, the difference is it, it, like if I if I refer to you as they. Um, I obviously don't mean that literally, right? Because you're one person. Depending on who you talk to. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, in today's day and age, uh, we, we can get re- really in trouble with pronouns, right? Right. But to most people, um, if I say they, I don't mean that in a literal sense. I'm just speaking generally. I'm just saying I'm not, for some reason, I'm not using your, your masculine pronoun, right? Right. But with God... It it, it 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 works it's it works in a similar way like the the people in scripture including Jesus and the apostles always refer to almost always refer to God as a single person mm-hmm. let me let me give you some examples yep. the very first verse of Genesis in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and if you were to were to translate that more wooden like more literally and in a wooden sort of way it's actually in the beginning. God, he created. The hmm. verb created is he created. It's, it's, a, it's got that, that uh, masculine pronoun in it, yeah. in a sense. So when Jesus actually then is alluding to this verse in Matthew 19, verse 4, and he says, 
Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? So he's referring to the creation of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And he says, speaking to his opponents, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? So let's use, use some logic here. If the Bible is saying in Genesis that in the beginning he created, God, he created the heavens and the earth, and he created Adam and Eve. And then Jesus said, referring to God, saying that he created them from the beginning. He's speaking about a person who is not him. It's Mm -hmm. somebody else. He, right? Yeah. A second person. And he's attributing to that second person, to God, the, the role of creator. This to me is, is, is at least one element of, of, of an argument to say that Jesus is not God. Mm-hmm. He is not the creator. He is the one who, who actually refers to and, and speaks to God, right? John 17 is this amazing chapter where he's praying before yeah, the crucifixion, right? right? Yep. And, and we get to verse 3, and you know it could be argued, maybe this is the, the, the Apostle John speaking, but it's put at least in the mouth of Jesus in the text. And it says, this is eternal life. He's talking to God. He's praying. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. Mm -hmm. He's he's declaring what eternal life is, which is knowing God, being in a relationship with God, and being in a relationship or, or having a connection to Jesus as well. But there's a distinction between the one who is the only true God, the one he's speaking to, which is the Father, and Jesus Christ, the one that the only true God sent. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I know what you mean. So th- this, is, uh, this is the case, and, and, and if there was just like those two verses, or like three or four verses, I would say, you know what? We would just have to understand those verses in light of the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. No, but this is over and over and over and over again. There's so much evidence that God is one person. Like, I don't even know... like. Know therefore, Deuteronomy 4, verse 39, know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God, he, right? He is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. I guess what you would say, right, is just not, you know, hasn't, hadn't been revealed yet, right? That's like, Mm. that to me is a Unitarian statement, right? That he is God in heaven above and there is no other. Mm. It's not saying that they are up there. It's just yeah. saying that he is God, right? So is the only thing that would be convincing would be things said by Jesus and the apostles? Or are any of those verses from the Hebrew scriptures helpful? I think the ones from the Hebrew scriptures are helpful. It's just, mm. um, I know a lot of your argument is about the pronouns, right. but um, I, don't, I don't really see anything improper with referring to God as when in singular pronouns, even as a Trinitarian though. Okay. Like, like I already kind of said, like if I'm praying to God generally, mm-hmm. like I'll, I would just say he, who are you referring thing. to though of the Trinity? I guess that would be the entire Trinity if you're praying to, but there's God. Three, three persons there. Yeah. I know. It's just, like I said, it's just kind <laughs> of, I, I think what you're running up against is you want to use biblical language, right? Which is referring to him as single, referring to God with singular pronouns. Right. But then you also want to have the doctrine of the Trinity. Hmm. It's it's having your cake and eating it too. It's it's you, you, like yeah. to, to me, st- stick with the biblical language, and you will find that God is one person because that's 
Yeah. How even in how to your exact like this is you're 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 making a case for me actually. Practically speaking, most Christians re- relate to God as as one person, right? Um, somebody like you, perhaps with a little more knowledge of the Trinity doctrine, you would you might separate them out in your prayers or in your worship time, right? So, yeah, sometimes. For sure, yeah. I used to certainly when I, you know, when I was a trinitarian, I I would sometimes pray to the Father, I would sometimes pray to Jesus, sometimes pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, but your average Christian probably doesn't have that filter, yeah. <laughs> filter, so they just speak to one person. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they're doing that is because, well, quite frankly, that's what Jesus said to do. Mm-hmm. Our Father who is in heaven, yeah. hallowed be your name. Like when Jesus told us to told his disciples to pray, he didn't say, now pray to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, pray to the Father. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the Father is the only one who is God. That's good. That was a lot of the more biblical case for yeah. the Unitarian. Maybe just more how you make sense of right. it and defying the doctrine a little more. Right. Maybe that would be helpful. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and, that, and that's a good point because, because um, another aspect of it, and maybe we'll, we'll do this in another episode, is then if you can understand who Jesus is, well, that, that, that then frees you up to just affirm that the Father is the only one who is God. But let, let me, throw, let me hit, 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 put it to you this way. It all comes down to whether or not Jesus is literally God. Right, yeah. Right? And there's two ways that Jesus can be literally God. He's either the same person as the Father, which is modalism, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Or he's a separate person from right. the Father, and then that's, I guess, binatarianism. But then if you throw in the Holy Spirit, it's trinitarianism, yeah. right? The only other option that I can see to be biblical is that Jesus is not literally God. He can represent God. He can be the son of God. He can be the Messiah. He can be all the things that scripture says that he is, Mm -hmm. but he's not literally God because, again, and and here's our quick refutation of modalism, um, Jesus prays. Yeah, for sure. So we we agree that the father is not the same person as the son. Right? Right. And the son is not the same person as the father. For sure. So that puts us into the either a Trinitarian or a Unitarian. Mm -hmm. We're we're not modalists, as we already said last episode, right? So it all comes down to, is Jesus literally God or not? Mm -hmm. And I think if you understand... Now, so let me ask you this. What would be the problem with Jesus being everything the scripture says that he is, just not literally God? Is there any problem with that like what 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 would be the harm in believing that is it atonement is it is it because that's what you believe scripture says so it's just a matter of yeah i think partially it's i I do believe that's what scripture teaches so it would it would impact other aspects of my theology the way i understand the bible but also I, i do think the atonement is a pretty big one right the idea that on the atonement jesus paid for a debt that we couldn't pay Okay, but that we needed to pay, right? Because like humanity sinned, and therefore we have to make our sin right with God. But we are incapable of doing that because we're sinful, and you know the the doctrine of original sin says we're all inherently sinful. We can't do anything good apart from God. But which which is leads to the next part of it, where God is the only one who can rescue us. So we see those two things coming together in the incarnation, where God takes on flesh, and where Jesus is truly God and truly man, and he bears our sin for us because it's something we need to make right, but that we are incapable of making right. right. So Jesus is like, he provides that way because he uniquely is God and is also human right. from, yeah. that, from that mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, 
do you and we're I do think we should do a separate episode on Jesus for sure yeah. being God yeah. and and the double nature so we'll, we'll just you know let me just touch on it and we won't go too deep in it but would you say that that if I were to say that God cannot die what would you uh, what would you think about that the phrase the, the concept God God cannot die well that's true I think what it comes down to is Jesus is, again, he's truly God, truly man. Mm-hmm. And that's why in his humanity, he died. And that's why the resurrection, like, that's what leads to the resurrection is that he's God. Like, death can't hold him. And okay. that's why he's resurrected. And then he paves the way for us to follow him, in a sense. So his humanity died, but his God nature didn't die on the cross? I don't want to say that because yeah. I don't know if that's, like, right. exactly. <laughs> that's a heresy or not. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. Okay. Okay, maybe maybe a good thing to to wrap up is uh, can we look at um, uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen, basically starting in verse twenty, and I'm reading from the NASB, but we can maybe look at a couple different translations. But it says Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Talking about uh, in verse twenty three, each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and after that those who are Christ that is coming. Verse twenty four. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God and Father when he has abolished all rule and authority and power. Verse 25, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy will be, uh, that will be abolished is death. Right? Look at 27. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. It's kind of... Archaic language. So let me let me uh, pull it up in something. I have it in the NIV. Do you want me? Yeah, to read just read just twenty seven. Yeah. All right. For he ha- for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God Himself, who put everything under Christ. To be fair, the NIV is paraphrasing a little bit. Mm. It's not quite as literal as the NASB here, right. but I think it gets it perfectly right. It, it how does it put it? Something about. It is clear. It is clear that this does not include God Himself, who put everything under Christ. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> that 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 God Himself is the one who let let's just let's think of it this way. I I affirm that Jesus had to go to the cross and 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 through the cross, and we will have a we'll have an episode about the atonement. Through the cross is how we uh, gain salvation and how right. we can have eternal life. Uh, and there's there's a whole way of understanding that. But it is God who raised Jesus from the dead, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, G- God raised Jesus from the dead and then elevated him by giving him at all, his, the name above all names, all power and authority, right? This is saying that there is one who is above Jesus. Like, I really truly don't understand the, the, the co-equal part of the doctrine of the Trinity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It seems pretty clear to me that the Bible teaches that Jesus is subordinate to the Father. And I don't know, I guess I've heard that people say, well, he functions in a subordinate way, but not literally. Like, wh- how, What do you do with verses like this? Yeah. It seems like Jesus is subordinate to, to, to the Father, who is referred to as God. Yeah. Well, that's just that's part of it for sure, what you just said about functionality. There's okay. like, the, like the ontologically... Right. Ontological equality between the functional subordination but um truthfully like hearing all these verses like even though i've read them x amount of times it's Mm -hmm. like it's it's hard for me to give 
good answers to you because it's like I've only ever read them in the Trinitarian yes. light, right? So like reading them, like I, I don't really know how I would respond to everything you're saying because I've read yeah. this again like X amount of times yeah. and it's like it's just whatever. Just I don't even notice that that, that language there. Right. But um, it would be interesting to do another episode of this yeah. when do a little maybe more a little study and stuff like that but 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 that's one of uh, uh, to be honest uh not that i wasn't being honest before <laughs> it's actually annoying when people say to be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what do you say it should be to be frank <laughs> yeah 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 so a part of the purpose of this podcast is for you and i at least to just expose each other to different viewpoints mm-hmm. and for everyone else to benefit from that right, right yeah variologies different understandings of different areas of, of knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's the purpose, right? I hope that you will go back and read it and see if see what I've said makes any sense. And 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 believe me, I, I've I've tried to understand the Trinitarian perspective because number one, I was a Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. And so back in the day I just wanted to understand it for just just for my own sake. Uh, and then now as a Unitarian, I, I still want to understand the Trinitarian perspective. So first of all to make sure that what I believe is is correct or just to be able to say, I know how to answer people's questions. Uh, both are, are valuable. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to end it for today. For sure, yeah. We had a great discussion. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can definitely email us at variologies at gmail.com or leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, please be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe on YouTube, and like and share, and, and uh, just do anything you can to spread um, the word about this podcast. And another thing, way you can support us is by uh, going to my website, messianicniagara.com, clicking on the donate link. Um, we would love to be able to uh, be financially sustained for this, uh, for the equipment and for the hosting and all the different costs that go along with the podcast. So if you are receiving value through this podcast, we would ask that you'd return some value to us. There you go. There you go. So uh, that's it for today. Uh, this has been Variologies, and I am Dan Calcanio, and this is Noah. And we'll see you next time.